in a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. the video nasties podcast my name's christopher brown pre-dating halloween by seven months the toolbox murders is heavily influenced by the giallo films of italy rather than the movies that obviously have yet to come um the results of a film that is different to many uh, movies around this at uh, this time and the films that were influenced really by bay of blood such as carpenter's halloween or friday the 13th think blood and black lace and Tenebrae. The result is a film that comes across as uniquely nasty and grimy, and with a structure that confuses many viewers. But mainly this is due to notoriety that it's it's kind of um, where it is today, and that's because of a vicious murder around the 30-minute mark. And because of that, the this movie has surprisingly gone on to influence many others, including Brian De Palma, so far, kind of gone on beyond its grim grindhouse roots. This man is about to commit the most atrocious crimes in American history. Linda Githens, age 22. Valerie Hoffman, age 24. Mary Ann Stevens, age 21. These women have one thing in common. They are all victims of the toolbox murders. What the hell are you doing? Identity was unknown, but he committed a series of crimes so fiendish that it shocked the entire country. He struck with no warning. He preyed on innocent young women. In his hands, simple tools became the instruments of death. screaming, but for the one still alive, the worst was yet to come. The Toolbox Murders, a true story. When you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. So he tells about a man in black who drives around Los Angeles and flashes back to a girl dying in a car accident. He arrives at an apartment complex and kills a female tenant. Who does recognise him? That murder's done with a drill. After that, he puts a ski mask on and murders two other women. First with a hammer and a second a screwdriver. He strikes again, and breaking into apartment to a woman and then shooting him in the stomach and head with a nail gun. He then abducts Laurie Ballard, a 15-year-old who lives in the above apartment with her family. 
The movie is a third kind of slasher. That's the start of the film. A third kind of Hardy Boys mystery as the children, uh, the, the two brothers or two relatives of Laurie try and find out what's going on. And then after that, it kind of turns a little bit into a uh, almost a Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of broken a family element as a uh, Cameron Mitchell, the old uh, the old time actor, uh, spend a lot of time talking to the girl tied up in the bed. you Monday and you show up Thursday this big old city is maybe busy. This country boy is going Its title insinuates the straight up and down slasher, and while it does provide those thrills only for the first 30 minutes, and because of that, maybe it's, uh, or due to that, the end of the film kind of has a get out of jail free card with based on a true story. Wickham Clayton from Brunel University has a lecture on this, stating that it's a strange movie. There's an odd narrative structure, characters with unclear or undefined motivations, and an overall aesthetic form that is suggestive of either a low-budget or generic minimalism. The film still works, not in spite of, but because of these conflicting elements, which are typically considered flaws. The resulting film is an unusual, disconcerting, and above all, pleasurable experience. How does the toolbox murders manage this? While mapping the pleasure of this film would prove extensive, a brief narrative device is used that both explains and excuses the pro- approach and structure, character and aesthetic to a nearly satisfactory element. Following a relatively anticlimactic denouncement, Tech superimposed over the final shot indicates that the toolbox murders are based on a true story, suggesting many of the film's perceived flaws can be attributed to an attempt at faithfully and respectively perspectively um, adapting real events, a method used in Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 74. However, no definitive evidence has proved a link between real events and the film itself, and the information related to the closing shot is superfluous to the foregoing narrative. In a sense, this problemizes the formula for adaptation. It is, in fact, based on a true story. Artistic license permits the ability to portray the events in a more standardised way, according to generic formula, akin to Hooper's 2004 remake of the film. A close analysis of the film and adaptation theories with respect to true story adaptations and a comparison to the remake reveals how this small narrative point renders a potentially bad film, at minimum, acceptable through the appropriation of a based-on-a-true-story claim, whether a true or not, it's actually true. So, from that point of view, going from um, what uh, what our professor, well, what our what our lecturer says, Wickham Clayton from Brunel, we can at least see the the idea that this is a film that is 
at least trying to uh, paper over some flaws. And indeed, there is no evidence that the true story narrative is uh, is an accurate one. Linda Githens, age 22. Valerie Hoffman, age 24. Mary Ann Stevens, age 21. They are all victims of the toolbox murders. The toolbox murders, a true story, rated R. A kind of get-out-of-jail-free card, I think. Now, director Dennis Donnelly was really a TV director, so he didn't have the stylistic chops of those Italian movie directors that he was kind of cribbing off. So, in a sense, it does kind of have that kind of feel at points, particularly in the, as we talk about the uh, the Hardy Boy sketch of 1970s uh, churned-out television. He made Adam 12, and I think that's probably, uh, you know, pretty much stands where it, this, this is. You know, he, he also made episodes of the A-Team as well. But obviously there's a bit more boobs and blood in here. What Donnelly did have in his favour was a DP of great quality, Gary Graver, who was Orson Welles' DP throughout the 70s until kind of sliding into exploitation and poured to pay the bills. The other was uh, Wesley Yeur, who is play who plays uh, Cameron Mitchell's nephew in the film in the film. It's his first role since starring in TV's Land of the Lost. And while this is obviously stunt casting, he was easily recognisable at the time. I think it was meant to uh, kind of create a bit of a uh, shock and surprise when uh, when he does what he does. And also, um, you know, he had a clean cut image at the end, which almost certainly uh, Ewell was trying to take, remove the shackles from. The result was being in a, a film that was far more violent than possibly anyone imagined it would be. Also, we've got Cameron Mitchell, as mentioned, uh, the American film and TV and Broadway actor, who uh, close ties with one of Canada's most successful families, considered by Lee Stansberg to be the founding mem- one of the founding members of the Actors Studio in New York. An actor known really for uh, Bloods and Black Lace, for the, which is probably why he got this role, but also for being in Carousel and High Chaparral, a very traditional actor, and uh, you know, obviously a good-looking man in his time. The film's a poster boy for the damage horror can do to kids. Um, you know, at the, t- at the time when people were wondering what the, um, what kind of thing these, you know, what damage can these slashes do, this was one of the films that very much was tied into that. Um. The basis, and this is probably best known because of a kill that happened in this 30 minutes, as mentioned before, in which a woman masturbates to a country song in a bathtub before getting shot by a nail gun. The, star, the, the scene starred Kelly Nicholas, who's acting under the name Marianne Walter, who was born in California in 1956. She was a former, as she is, after this film became a porno actress. She stars in over 50 adult features. She was awarded the Best Actress Award by the Adult Film Association of America for a 1983 film, In Love. She also got a 1993 Lifetime Achievement Award by the Free Speech Coalition. And, uh, and I didn't know there was this, but she was inducted into the Erotic Legends Hall of Fame in 96. 
Nicholas also worked as a makeup artist in, in adult films during the 1990s and 2000s. Kelly Nichols is uh, one of 25 women who of the golden, what's called the golden era of adult films, i.e., you know, post Deep Throat before, before video got a grip. Uh, featured in the 2012 book uh, by Jill C. Nelson, titled Golden Goddesses 25 Legendary Women of Classic Erotic Cinema, 68 to 85. The scene is still, I mean, these by these days, seen as being quite tame, but it does have its influences. In an article for TV Guide, Stephen King cited it as his favourite movie murder of the 70s, and Brian De Palma paid homage to it while kind of exaggerating the, uh, the sexual subtext in Body Double. This, that scene in Body Double is actually the one that... Uh, Features heavily in American Psycho, with Patrick Bateman kind of uh, re- keeps on renting the video out and uh, kind of wears that section down as he watches it again and again and again in his obsessive manner. So, in a way, it's kind of feeded onto diff- lots of different, quite big pop culture moments. The film structure, as I mentioned before, though the film structure itself is is an odd one and one that people react very negatively to or very positively. It can't keep up the, uh, the unlike say Bay of Blood, which does manage to keep up the momentum for, for for ninety minutes of that kind of explosive violence. This doesn't, and kind of literally just grinds to a halt for for a good half hour. Uh, while this murder mystery element kind of goes on, a police procedural really, since we know who did it, but it's a police procedural with the uh, Hardy Boys there. Well, actually, we kind of know who did it. It's pretty obvious, but you know, it's not a yellow where you know you suddenly just see, you realise who is who's wearing those leather gloved hands. It's kind of there already, really, for you if you want to see it. But you know, apparently that's okay because it's based on a true story, allegedly. The cinema release originally was is extensively cut in '79. Um, a cut version was released uh, on preview uh, video recordings act by uh, Hokushin in November '81 and made onto the nasties list in November '83. It was removed from the list in May '85 as it was actually the BBFC approved cut. There are conflicting reports about uh, a release that there was two videos released from Hoskerson, uh, one one featuring an extended cut of the film. Um, I've seen no evidence of that. If anyone has a co- or has a copy or has seen a, a, a copy of that film, then please let me know. There's a lot of footage. Apparently there seems to be a lot of footage missing, about six minutes, but... I think re- and the cinema version was actually only missing two. Now I think the reason for that is that it's kind of been coded wrong and it's, it's kind of running slightly quicker. That extra four, four minutes that kind of happens when it's coded between NTSC and PAL. So that's probably where that's come from. So it might be running a little bit quicker than it should be um, for its runtime. The two minutes are effectively to the uh, to the nail gun killing. It was re-released after 1 minute 45 seconds of BBFC cuts in uh, in 2000 and has remained like that since. 
Um, there is an unrated uh, DVD and uh, Blu-ray available, which um, from Blue Underground, which is about as good a, co- a version of the film as you're going to get at this time. So, as it stands at the moment, we haven't actually got an uncut version of the film. I think if someone came along, at, I don't know, like an Arrow film, someone wanted to release it uncut, they almost certainly would do now. Um, you know, it's a sleazy movie, and it involves a naked woman being killed, but at the same time, it kind of doesn't really, you know, it. it, it I think to our more hardened eyes, and probably to my more hardened eyes these days, it, I think yeah, I think it'd probably get a pass. But, you know, we are ultimately reliant on people trying to get a new version of that film out. There is another film, of course. The um, the film was remade as Toolbox Murder by Toby Hooper in uh, 2004. Uh, a man whose name keeps on popping up on the Video Nasties list. Uh, there are very few similarities between the two films, I think it's fair to say, apart from the fact that the handyman kills people in an apartment building. It's kind of a uh, haunted house. It, it, it bears, it's more got more in its DNA in truth to a film like Fun House than it does to a movie like um, like this one. Certainly not a sleazy to the point that it's actually only 15 in the UK. So, bit of feedback. Uh, Rob Wilson has, uh, has has written in again. Fantastic to, to hear from you, Rob. Hey, Chris. A few weeks ago, I went to Chicago and tracked down toolbox murders. I did my homework. Hope it's not too verbose. I posted this February 25th on Facebook. I watched the 1978, the Blue Underground Box says 1977, early 78, don't ask. Um, the toolbox murders. This is a first viewing. What Toby Hooper's 04 remake ages ago, I thought it was crap. The fact that people I like were involved made the experience worse. This low-budget movie starts off with quite a bang. In fact, I think it has completely tainted my viewing. The killer with a toolbox starts killing women in an apartment complex right away. During the third, killer wonders how the hell they're going to keep this pace. Well, they couldn't. The killer ends his spree with a kidnapping of a teenage girl, uh, Laurie. Uh, Pamela Fedrin, 70s kid actress in just about everything. Uh, yeah, I think... Um, 
in the UK, we might know her. She she was the uh, the voice of Lucy from Peanuts, I think, from the old cartoons, TV cart- movies. I think that might be the best the best one. These kind of child actresses that bombed around in the seventies. You didn't really get a lot of them over here, but yeah, thank you. Um, Toss in uh, Cameron Mar- Mitchell, uh, Barbara's uh, Blood and Black Lace. Wesley Ear, uh, Will from Land of the Lost, and Annette Corset, Helen Crump from Andy Griffith's Show. And it's a race against time to get young Laurie back. Actually, everyone is concerned, just not shattered. The film really slows down when every act uh, too mellow about a guy who killed many women with things found in a toolbox. Hey, this girl is in serious danger. Wake up. The bat. Killer is no mystery. The shape of the people it, it could be makes it pretty clear. Even though it's clear, Blue Underground should not have added a picture of the bat of the bat to make it crystal clear. There's another twist that I thought was pretty lame. It also ruined the movie. The end was pointless. Some bits of dialogue were odd time killers. The good. Given it's a really low budget horror, it looks pretty good. The people I mentioned above can act. That always helps. Like I said before, the movie starts at a quick pace. It doesn't even give you time to judge it. The nail gun scene is pretty great stuff. Gorgeous actress Marion Walter, aka porn star Kelly Nicholas, gives 100% in her performance. There's a reason she's on the poster art. I believe the good outweigh the bad. Perhaps nostalgia plays a part in this. Love seeing faces from the past. Or is it just, or is it so many of these actors give a little more than your average movie of this period? Or maybe it's just Marianne scene. Uh, and might just be a bit of a perv. It's a watch. P.S. Love the Dead and Bedry episode. Uh, listen to it twice at work. I love it when it's truly great movie. Great stuff. Ah, oh, cheers for that, Rob. That's that's lovely of you to say. And thanks very much for your opinions on the film. I do agree. It is. It's a bit of a. I would say it's a bit of an oddity and a bit of a curio. Um, it certainly had a kind of its notoriety thrust upon it considering you know yeah there were a couple of nasty scenes in it but nothing particularly you know jaw breaking it's you know the, the films like Don't Answer the Phone which are equally as misogynistic and um, and quite and, and grisly and you know obviously sexual but I suppose not all of them kind of have the uh, have kind of had a, a little bit of a drip feed through into other elements of uh, of culture quite the same way Toolbox Murders has and I think, to in truth, I think if it if it hadn't been quite so controversial, it wouldn't have uh, you know it wouldn't have managed to reach that notoriety because it it wouldn't have reached the the wider audience that it did. That's not a bad thing though. That's just greatness being thrust upon it. Uh, an email from Neil Tidbury as well, who's, who has written in before. Uh, fantastic to hear from you again, Neil. Uh, good morning, sir. Just a quick catch up on the last few films. After a run of four films, The Burning, Cannibal Apocalypse, The Beyond and Bay of Blood, a quartet of films I either enjoy or outright adore, it's fair to say you've been through the ring of the last few weeks. Don't Go Near the Park is one of the most unintentionally, hilariously inept pieces of filmmaking I have ever seen, and it commits the most heinous of genre cinema crimes, it's fucking dull. Then we have a run of films I have not seen, and so it would be unfair for me to pass judgement. I'm no weary White House, but I will say this, Devil Hunter. I don't get the Jess Franco love, despite the fact he was prolific as hell. I have yet to see anything he made that comes close to being a competent film. This sounds to like it is no exception. Gestapo's Last Orgy. Nazi exploitation, not my bag. Never has been, never will be. Couldn't even make it through Sailor. Cannibal Terror. I'll, put, I'll take your word for it and just not bother. And then we finally get back on track with Dead and Buried. 
a film I own and enjoy. It's creepy, twisted, and Stan Wilson effects work is superb. Could do with tightening up in the second act, but overall highly recommend. And another of those films that did not deserve its place on the list. I guess the BBFC just gets its panties in a twist anytime someone does something unpleasant to an eyeball. So there we go. Toolbox Murders next, a film I saw on video pre-ban. Yes, I'm that old, although we clearly were too young to be watching, so I'm not that old. Haven't seen it since, so we'll have to have a hunt around, see if I can find it and discover if this man is going to commit the most atrocious crimes in American history. I somewhat doubt it. Till then, keep up the good work, Neil in Brighton. And his Twitter is at Tids71. P.S. I typed White House incorrectly up there and Gmail autocorrect prompted me towards Whole House. Yep, the geeks are still sticking it to the mad old bag after all these years. Cheers. Well, cheers for that, Neil. Um, thanks very much for, for, for your feedback. Uh, yeah, man, there's, there's people I know that listen to this podcast will not be, will, will disagree with you on the, uh, on, uh, the, the talk. Jess Franco. And, uh, I think he's an acquired taste. I think that's fair to say. Some people kind of love his general bonkersness. Um, I don't know, man. I, when I when I was a student, um, and into some, you know, the things that students are into, Vampirus Lesbos was uh, my go-to. I'm just gonna sit down and and and, and get stoned. Um, film. So uh, from that point of view, I think I do have a, a little bit of a soft spot for him. Oh, that's psychedelic music, man. It's good times, good times. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so there are there are obviously you know yeah there are the, the, the it, it hasn't been the best run um, for me. You're right. The, I I kind of did do this kind of great great burst, and uh, the listening figures <laughs> went up for the ones. Obviously, people are p- picking them up, you know, picking the ones they look they, they know and love, and uh, yeah, and that that was evidenced in the. Uh, in, the, in, in that little burst of good, 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 good quality that it is, which is uh, which is what it is really. That's kind of cool. But uh, you know, with, the problem is now next week we're doing the unhinged, which is not. It was like a psycho kind of rip off, uh, very low budget, not that well known. And then we kind of pick, and then we pick up again. So you know, there's some interesting stuff still to come, and I've kind of tried to split the films up so there's always something coming that's kind of kind of high quality you know or at least interesting um anyway thanks very much for everyone's getting in touch with me that that's that's fantastic stuff uh, you can do on my uh twitter which is at orange underscore monkey you can email me like neil did at video podcast at gmail.com or you can get to the website video and leave a comment on any of the articles that we put up so uh, thanks very much again for that as I said, next week we've got um, uh, the old psycho kind of influenced, um, very low budget, unhinged, which uh, gets some bad reviews. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as all that, but you know, we're not in classic territory. I think it's fair to say. So, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how how can you judge on video nasty you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film
This man is about to commit the most atrocious crimes in American history. 